Well, here we are. We're in the series called Wahine. Wahine. And what's Wahine? What's the series all about? The series is about the amazing thing women have done in our Bibles. Women have done amazing things. Lots of, so many things. So much amazing women in, our, in, in the Bible. And, and unfortunately for the series, there's only so much women we can talk about. But I really want to uh, talk, highlight some of the amazing women we do have in our Bible. The things that God called them to do and what they did. But I also want to talk about comparison. I want to talk about comparison here this morning. Because here's the thing, we all do it. We all do it, don't we? we? We compare our lives. We compare our businesses. We compare our families. We compare our bodies. right? We compare our kids. We compare our houses. Even though we hate how it makes us feel at times, but we do it anyway. And for many of us, the trap of comparison has become almost second nature to us. right? Not to say that comparison is all bad. There's, some, there's, there's, there's a positive side of comparison, right? Like, for instance, if I'm, if I'm starting to do something, like, for instance, I'm learning how to surf, it's okay for me to, and I begin to compare how I'm going compared to someone who's ahead of me. I can track my progress, and that's, that's a positive side of, of comparison, right? But then there's this other side of comparison, the trap of comparison that we fall into all the time, the negative side of it, the dark side of this word comparison. It's like a two-sided coin, Really, and think about one side of the corner is, is kind of like, like, you know, has anyone in this room ever scrolled through social media before? Anybody scroll, scroll through social media? You just want to check your updates? I'm just going to have a quick check. And next you know, an hour has passed. Like, oh my gosh, goodness, how did that hour go? You're just kind of scrolling. And what do we see? We see beautiful people. We, we, and we, see, we see beautiful people. We see healthy-looking, fit, strong people, and they're well-dressed, and they're posing with their perfect families and their amazing friends, and, and, you, and you see all these picturesque plates of food and houses that are far more elegant and far more expensive than our own, and it's no wonder that many of us are feeling insecure. Many of us are feeling envious and, and bitter to the, to the cards that we've been dealt in life, right? And that's one side of this coin, and the other side of this coin is maybe you're scrolling through, through social media, and, and you begin to compare, compare your, your life to other people, and you, you're like, wow, look how well I'm doing. Look at this person there. Oh my gosh, they started. Look, look at what the look at what, what look at all my destinations I've been to. Look at all my achievements of what I've done. Look, look how well I am. And you go to bed at night with this, this artificial boost of pride. Right? It's it's a trap of comparison. It's it's the other side of the coin. There's two sides of this coin. The trap of comparison. Here's the thing: comparison will rob you of your joy. Comparison will rob you of your joy. What is joy? Joy is this deep unshakable soul level contentment firmly fixed in the love of God and the identity of who we are in Jesus. That is where our joy is. In comparison, this, 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 uh, this negative side, the trap of comparison wants to rob you and steal your joy from you. And, and I want to share um, some stories in the Bible. There's so many stories in the Bible that really highlights this. And one of the, one of the stories I love to share with us is, is an amazing story during the reign of the kings. The reign of the kings during um, during the time of Israel, and if you know if you know the story really well, um, Israel really didn't have many many good kings, right? There was King David, King Solomon was kind of okay, and then in his latter years he turned towards idolatry, and then he introduced it, and because of that, God said to Solomon, "I'm going to rip this kingdom from you." Because you're not know obedient. And then and then the son came along, and then all of a sudden the kingdom was torn in two, and there were two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom known as Israel, and the southern kingdom known as Judah. And it was two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. 
It's because of the unfaithfulness of these kings. The kings were, were the representatives between, uh, just like the high, pri- high priests were anointed and the kings were anointed. They were like the gateway, the representative to the people, where the kings were there, where they're meant to lead the people in the righteousness of God. And all of a sudden, the kings, uh, through King Solomon, uh, introduced this whole thing of idolatry and led them away from God. And there were, in fact, many of these kings. Uh, if, if you go to the, the northern kingdom, um, pretty much all the kings were bad. There was maybe one king that was kind of okay, mix one, but all the rest were in bad, and because of that, God judged them. In fact, the Bible tells us that God divorces Israel, and they get taken into captivity in Assyria, and they've never seen again. Oh my goodness, right? And then, but then in the southern kingdom, you've got, some, you've, got, you've got some good kings, you know, you've got, you know, you've got Jehoshaphat, and you've got um, Hezekiah, you know, got some good kings, and they're just to name a few, and... Um, but during, 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 the, during this time of these bad kings, in fact, one of these kings got so bad, uh, one of the kings by the name of Manasseh, that he sought to destroy the things of God. And because there was this threat of destroying the, 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 the Torah, the Torah is the five, first five books of the Bible, also known as Hebrew Bible. Uh, it's the first five books of the Old Testament. And so, um, so King Manasseh wanted to destroy this, and so, the, so uh, part of the Hebrew writings is that the, it was hidden to keep it safe. Until one day it's discovered again. In fact, it was discovered by his grandson, Josiah. In fact, Josiah was the last of the good kings. The last of the good kings. And he reigned, um, he reigned during the time of, um, from 640 to 609 BC. This is the time frame we're looking at. And so, it, so, so the holy writings get discovered again during the last good king. The last good king in, the, in, the, in all of Israel. So we've got your Bible soon. We'll 2 Kings chapter 22. And Hilkiah, I'm going to try to pronounce some of these Hebrew names, so bear with me. So in Hilkiah, the high priest said to Shaphan, the secretary. Nice name, Shaphan. So far, so good. I found the book of the law. The book of the law, the Torah, right? The Hebrew scriptures, the first five books of our Old Testament. I found the book of the law in the house of Yahweh, in the house of the Lord, in the temple. This is talking about the temple. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, Shaphan's the secretary, to the king, and he read it. Let's go down to verse 10. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the Lord, he tore his clothes. Why did he tear, tear his clothes? The reason why he tore his clothes is because King Josiah realized that the nation had failed to live according to God's covenant. And the consequences of this is, is, is that God's protection will be removed. When God's protection is removed, they will lose their kingdom. And so because of that, he says, he, he replies in verse 13, Go and inquire of Yahweh for me and for my people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. Go and, is, is, this, is this really the Torah? Go and um, find someone who can authenticate this authenticate that this, these are the words of, of Moses. These were written by Moses. Go and find someone who, who is a prophet, someone who speaks for God, who can authenticate these scriptures. And then he goes on, For great is the wrath of Yahweh that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book, and to do according to all that is written concerning us. So, to which of God's prophets do they go to consult? Who, which of God's prophets do they go? And so these, here are the prophets, here are the prophets that were available 
during, during that time, who were there, who, who, who were present during this time. And, those, and, and um, these are the prophets. Let me read out the names of these prophets. They, they could have consulted Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. Anybody heard of Jeremiah? Was he a bullfrog? Not sure. All right. Prophet Zephaniah. Anybody heard of the prophet Zephaniah? The prophet Nahum, Habakkuk, and Holder. Verse 14. So Hilkiah, the priest, and Ahikam, and Akbor, and Shaphan, and Isaiah went to Holder, the prophetess. So who do they go to? They go to a woman. This woman called Holder, this prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, son of Haras, <laughs> the keeper of the wardrobe. And I love this little note that they put in there. Now, now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter. This is the writer wanted to know where she lived in the second quarter. And they talked with her. So they choose Holder. They choose this woman above all the rest, right? It's, they didn't choose Holder because no men were available. They chose Holder because she is truly exceptional among the prophets. She truly was. Right? And so here, so Holder, when, when, we, when we continue to read the story, Holder not only confirms the scroll as indeed God's Torah. In fact, when you, read, when you continue reading the story, I encourage you to read that story. She doesn't even read it. She doesn't even cite it. But the, the, but the, the word of the Lord comes through. God speaks through her. And she says, this is the Torah. She confirms, this is the Torah. This is the first five books. Right? She authenticates. She authorizes these texts. Um, these texts of Israel from this time onwards. I mean, furthermore, the prophet Holder, she was unafraid to tell the truth. Because when you read on, she informs King Josiah that indeed God's wrath is against the disobedience of the nation. That God's wrath is coming. And you're going to lose this kingdom. Everything here is going to be gone. God's wrath is coming. She's not afraid to tell the king, this is what's going to happen. But then she adds, because the king had humbled himself before God, she adds that he will be gathered to his ancestors in peace, that, meaning that he will not see this happen, not in his lifetime. right? So what happens after this, this causes Josiah, the, this response of Josiah is all of a sudden he goes on and be, begins this major religious reforms right through the land of Judah, and he begins to work to eliminate idolatry worship in Judah. It's amazing. And Holder was, was the beginning of the spiritual re revival. And here's, here's Josiah trying to lead. This is, what the king, this is what the king is meant to do, lead the people towards God. They were the gateway. They were the ones representative of God. They were the anointed one. They were the, the Mishiach, Mishiach, I'm trying to get the Messiah, the anointed ones to do this. This is what their role was, right? You had the priest, the high priest who was anointed ones, who were also known as, called the Messiah. Then you had the kings who were also known as the Messiah. Pointed to one day when the Messiah will come, the anointed one. But unfortunately for, for Josiah, that um, the kings to follow him, right? And there was, there, was, there was, I think there was about four kings that followed. Very short reigns. Very, very short reigns. Like, they didn't last that long, right? They turned away from God. They didn't carry it on. And they continued to lead the people in idolatry. And because of that, Babylon came in and the people were taken into exile. And that's another story. But here's the thing. Let me ask you this question. Had you ever heard of this prophetess Holder before, before today? Have you ever heard of her? Had you ever heard of her name, Holder, the prophetess, this amazing woman? We've got one person who said, yes, that's great. For most of us, it's a no. In fact, I would probably say about 90% of Christians would say no. 
They, they haven't even they, they hadn't heard of this, this woman, right? Why? Because for many Bible readers, for many Bible readers, they're well aware of the prophet Jeremiah, right? We, we, and, we, and we love the prophet Jer- Jeremiah and, and what he prophesies, Zephaniah, Nahum, and Habakkuk. So you know, do you know why? Do you know what these four men have in common and why we are well aware of them? The reason why these, what these four men have in common and why we're well aware of them is because both, each of these men are known as the writing prophets. They're part of the writing prophets. They've got books in the Old Testament named after them. Right? That's why we, that's why we, we, we know these guys, because they wrote books in the Bible. And they have and writings in the Bible, their books named after them in the Bible. So it's easy for us to compare. It's easy for us to compare that these prophets are obviously, obviously these guys, obviously these guys are more spirit-filled. Obviously, these guys have more authority, right? Obviously, these guys are more influential. Why? Because they've written these books. And that's where comparison can rob you of your potential. It can rob you of your potential. Can you imagine Holder? Can you imagine if Holder had fallen into the trap of compromise? Can you imagine? She'd go, no, 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 don't, don't come to me. Don't, don't come to me to, to authenticate the Scriptures. Don't, don't come to me. Go to Jeremiah. He wrote a book. <laughs> go to Jeremiah. He wrote a book. You should go see him, right? I mean, how many of us have given up on a dream because we care, we compared our lives to someone else and we thought to ourselves, you know, I'm not as gifted as them, so I'm just going to give up. That's where compromise begins to rob you of your potential and it will rob, rob you of your potential or rob you of your purpose. Because you compared yourself to someone else. Like, like, oh man, I'm interested in music. And, and you start playing, you start, you start singing. Oh, this is why I'm really encouraged by, by, by Justin. You know, when, uh, back when we were running youth ministry, Justin was drumming. Right? And then through the years, like, he just started just doing, just doing sound. And it's very easy for him to compare himself to other drummers. Well, I'm not as good as them. This is, this is all, 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 this is my worth. What, what does he do? He's drumming here. Ten years later, he's on the drums again. Right? Why? Because when we compare ourselves to someone else, it robs us of our potential. It robs us of our potential. I'll never do that again because I've compared myself to them. And, and God's put something in your heart when you're younger and you gave it up. Because you fell into the trap of comparison and it robbed you of your potential. If it robs you of your potential, or rob you of your purpose. Because we need to understand something. Comparison is a lie. Comparison is a lie who says our best won't ever be good enough. Right? Have you been singing that tune in your, in your head? My best will never be good enough. Measuring your success through comparison is a recipe for failure. How many of us have given up? Right? Because we thought we'll never be good enough. So you stop doing it. Because we fell into this trap. Measuring your success through comparison is a recipe for failure. Here's the thing, what do we know about Holder, right? We know she lived in the second quarter. She lived in the second quarter. You know what the second quarter is? It's the university district. The university district. In fact, the rabbis during that time, they saw her as this important teacher of the Torah. The stories of the um, during her day. In fact, according to the Targums, if, if you're familiar with some of the ancient texts and ancient writing, Targums are, uh, are, are, are Jewish people who who write in Aramaic, right? And they've got, they got biblical, they've got Bible commentaries, and it's written in, in Aramaic, and it's called Targums. Targums, just a bit of people who, 
just, just nerding out a little bit here. So according to one of these targums, um, according to one of these targums, to Targum Yonatan, Target Yonatan, just to be more precise, she regularly taught in the Hebrew school. She regularly taught in the Hebrew school. So not only was she a prophetess, not, not only was she an exceptional prophetess, not only was she was regarded higher than the prophet Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Nahum, and Habakkuk, but she was also a professor in the University of Hebrew. Remarkable. This remarkable woman. No, 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 don't come to me. I haven't written a book. You know what's also remarkable? There's this set of gates. If you go to Jerusalem, you, uh, um, and if you travel towards the Temple Mount, there's this set of gates. It's all kind of closed in now. It's been closed in for a couple of centuries now. You, you can go there, and there are these gates, and they're called the Holder Gates. Can, can we just show them the picture? The Holder Gates, right? They're still there today. These gates are named after her. It's incredible. Maybe she didn't write a book, but there's a gate named after her. Hold again. This, the amazing thing that this woman did. Amazing thing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Holder just sitting at these steps, teaching her disciples the Torah, teaching them the Holy Scriptures? At these, and could you go to the next shot there, please? I love this picture. Hold her there. She's standing there at the, at the gates, teaching the Torah of God, prophesying, speaking this prophetess, this amazing woman. We just got to be careful. Comparison can rob you of your potential. So, what does this mean for us? It means we cannot allow compromise to rob you of your joy and your potential. Right? Comparison can rob you of your joy and your potential. Because when we compare ourselves to our friends on social media, oh my goodness, social media, it's like. It's like a, it's a friend and our enemy. It's a frenemy. <laughs> Be careful with social media. When we continue to compare our, our lives to our friends on social media, this is what happens. We tend to fall in love with the perception of their reality. <laughs> we fall in love with the perception of their reality, and we begin to hate our actual reality. This is what happens when we fall into the trap of comparison. We begin to hate our, our actual reality. You look, oh my goodness, look how well they're. Oh, my life is terrible. I hate my life right now. This is what happens when we fall into the trap of, of comparison. We need to keep this in mind. Even though Karen's kids are on the honor roll, right, and her husband brings her flowers every day, but she might be living a very different real life behind that screen, right? Because we only have a perception of her life that she actually lives, right? Let us, don't, fall, don't fall for the Instagram version of others' lives, right? Just like almost fell and lost my, my, my iPad right there. We fall, don't fall for it. Don't, don't fall for the Instagram version of other people's lives. Right? It's, just, it's, it's only a snapshot. It's only a snapshot of what's really going on the other side. We don't really know what's really going on out there. And we, yet we're comparing ourselves to, to, to this perception of what we think is actually happening. And this is where the trap of, of comparison begins to take us. Because you know the Instagram updates, right? We all know those, right? The house is perfect. The kids there, the knitting scarves for the, for the homeless. <laughs> you know, parents are just having this amazing five-course dinner, right? But in reality, it took hours to clean the house and to force the kids to get off those video games to pose for that, that, that picture, right? That's, that's the reality. Comparing your reality to the perception of someone else 
else's reality is like comparing your real life with Instagram. All right? You're comparing your whole life to Instagram. Just a perception, just a picture. It's crazy. So why does comparison rob us of joy? What does it rob us of joy? Because it takes our eyes off God. It takes our eyes off the author and perfecter of our faith, the author and perfecter of our story. It takes our eyes off his love, his love that's so deep and, and it's so pure and so full, full for you, that, that, and, and it overflows for you. It takes our eyes off his love and his generosity, and it takes our, our eyes off our identity and who we are in Jesus Christ. It takes our, our eyes off them, and it places them on our current circumstances. My current, and, uh, and I take my eyes off Jesus, I'm looking at Instagram, looking at social media, I'm comparing my life to someone in my workplace, comparing my life to someone in my places of education, and I'm thinking, my life is not like this. And I'm looking at my life, and my life stinks right now. Rather than keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our story, we're now focusing on this perception and on everyone else's life. And this, this, is how it begins, this is how the trap of comparison begins to rob you of your joy. Robs you of your, begins to take your eyes off, your focus from these things, and, and, and it robs us of these things. No wonder people are feeling insecure and judgmental. No wonder when you talk to people, they're like, oh, who do they think they are, right? New Zealand, what are we famous for? Tall poppy syndrome. But, pfft, thinks, look at him with his nice car. Pfft, hope he gets a flat tire. You know, sorry. Lord, forgive me. No. So no one in this room does anything like that. I know that, right? So how do we overcome this? How do we overcome this? I love Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. It's the last part of this verse. The joy of Yahweh is your strength. The joy of Yahweh is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That when we know that our, that our identity and our value and our hope is in Jesus, then you'll begin to experience joy even in your hard times. Did you know that? When we realize where our joy comes from, that our joy is this hope, to be sure the things we hope for, certain things we do not see, that our hope that God, will, that God has saved us, and he has not forgotten about us, and he's for us, and he's with us, that, that is where our strength is, is in the joy of Yahweh, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and when we begin to place our, our joy and our hope in who He is, and, and realize our identity is not in comparing my life to someone else, but my identity is in, is in Jesus. My value is in Jesus, not in, in what I do or what I don't do, but it's always found in Jesus. My hope is is in Jesus, that no matter what I'm going through right now, that I can experience joy, that right now, it feels like I'm going through hell right now. It feels like I'm going through the depths of the lowest valley. It feels like I'm in the most fierce storm of life right now, but Lord, you are with me. And Lord, you came through in the past and you'll do it again. And because of that, Lord, I trust in you. And because of that, I have joy even in my sorrow. I have joy even in my hardship because you are with me. Because my joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And it is the joy that I have in you that will, that will give me the ability to pick myself up in my weakness, to pick myself up in my self-pity and begin to move forward because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And comparison... 
will, will want to rob you of your joy, will steal that away from you, to take your eyes off the Lord and begin to look at your current situation. It's time to take your joy back. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And turn to the person next to you and say, it's time for you to take back your joy. Come on, I'm taking back my joy. See, I'm tired of feeling insecure. I'm tired of being dejected. I'm tired of trying to keep up with the Joneses. I'm going to take back my joy. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Come on, give a hand for the Lord wherever you are. So the next time you feel that trap of comparison coming of, on your life, I know because I feel it. I really do. The next time you feel the trap of comparison, just begin to invade your space. Celebrate other people's success. Celebrate other people's success. Flip it around and be positive like you, you're, you're about to give a presentation. <laughs> And someone's before you giving their presentation. And they're amazing. They're funny. They've got flash shoes. And you're thinking to them, oh my gosh, why did I wear these shoes? Should I wear those shoes? I'm following this person. Everyone's laughing. Oh no, I'm not as funny as that guy. I'm not as good as that guy. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to get on right now. Right? This is the trap of comparison. We need to celebrate others, other people's successes and go, oh my goodness, that guy is amazing. He is incredible. Man, he's warmed up that crowd. The people are ready for me now. I'm going to be an amazing teacher right now. And you step into it. It's time to take back your joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Compliment, don't compare. Right? Whenever you find that you're comparing yourself to someone else, go up to them and compliment them and say, oh my goodness, you're amazing. Man, you're amazing. Man, you, you inspire me. You're incredible. You know what that does? That frees you. You know what that does? You're taking back your joy. You're not allowing the enemy to come in and rob you of your joy. Take your eyes off Jesus. And you're just looking at your current situation, your circumstances. Man, I remember one time I was just, this, in fact, last week, Last Sunday, last Sunday, get home. And I just jumped, you know, I just, just jumped on social media. I just, not that I jumped on social media. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, and I just, and, and, and this feed popped up of, of a church in Hamilton. Man, it, and it's going, man. The pastor, he looks, man, this guy looks, this guy's preaching away and what's going on in the church. And, and I was like, and I could feel that trap coming. I could feel it coming. And I went, nah, uh-uh, no, no, not, not today. And I began to go, wow. I began, this is what I began to say, wow, what amazing, so good, this church. And I began to pray a blessing upon this church. Lord, I just pray for this church that they begin to meet, reach people for Jesus. I count it a privilege to be part of a family of churches here in Hamilton reaching people for Jesus. You've got to be active and be quick. Otherwise, the end will take hold of you. Oh, my gosh, look at you. you oh, my goodness, you're, you're getting too old. Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes, here's the thing, you know, now, I remember when, when I became a pastor, when I became a youth pastor, and, or, and then became a pastor, and then I was thinking, oh, well, maybe I'm too young for this, right? And now I'm going to the, to the pastor's conference. So many pastors are younger, so much younger. Now I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm too old for this, right? I was, I was too young. Then I became too old, and I was thinking, wait, wait, when was I just right? 
right? And we all do this. We compare ourselves. We compare, and this is a trap of comparison. We need to celebrate other people's successes. We need to compliment and don't compare. It's time to take back your joy. It's time to take back your joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, all my life, as a young person, as right from my right through until my young adult life, I was petrified of public speaking. And you guys heard me share about this. I was petrified of public speaking. And why was I petrified of public speaking? Because I stuttered. I stuttered really badly, and 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 I struggled, and I struggled to pronounce words. I still do. You, you're all well aware of this. I struggled to pronounce words and I stutter. And, you know, growing up, I, I felt like I humiliated myself when I've been asked to do, do something that, that totally scared me when the teacher said, speeches this week. That's the scariest thing of my life, getting up there. And I'm stuttering, bumbling my way through, and I'm just, people laughing, pointing, and then, I'm, and, and then oh, what, what is it, can't, can't you read your words? Man, I, and, and, and it scared the living daylights out of me. And I remember as a teenager, I remember thinking, I'm sick and tired of being humiliated. I'm sick and tired of being laughed at. I'm not good at this. And I made a vow that I'll never speak in public again. I'm never going to speak in public again. I'm never going to do that again. I'm sick and tired of being laughed at. Not me, not ever, not now. Comparison can rob you of your joy and your potential. And if it robs you of your potential, it will take your purpose as well. I'm not like everyone else. I can't pronounce these words. I'm not as eloquent as these speakers. That is until I encountered Jesus. When I encountered Jesus, I discovered purpose, and my greatest tragedy became my greatest triumph. Because knowing where my joy truly came from freed me from not being afraid of what I was called to do. Don't let compromise rob you of your joy and your potential. Because when we begin to see everything through the lens of the joy of the Lord is my strength, nothing can shake us. In fact, you become this amazing person who encourages everyone around you. It's time to take back your joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength.